0: Welcome to the Blarney Pilgrims.
1: Bit of a weird one coming at you. (laughs) (laughs) This is your warning. So we were sitting down tonight to do a retrospective. And the reason we're doing that is because we couldn't, we can't sort guests and we can't do it. We can't do the interviews in the way we want to do it. We said, well, what what should we do? So this is a great time to take a stop. Anyway, we're thinking about doing this for episode 52 anyway. So (laughs) we sat down with great ideas to pick three songs each. And within the first little while, it totally fell over and we had a great old chat, the two of us, and Dom plays a few numbers, which is Brucey bonuses is all around. So look, <laughs> this is an intro for the intro. I'm not sure how this is going to work. It's going to come back in with me and Dom talking and then it's just going to continue. Look, it's something different. It's weird, as we said, so I hope you enjoy. Let's get into it.
0: All right. Um, shall I put the lamp on? Yeah, that's off. what I actually was standing up to do. Uh, this back lamp here? Please. Alright, so just for level, so we're in. Um. Yeah, so Darren, I went for a swim <laughs> Um, a few days ago and it was one of those swims. I went to the ocean, came out and it was sunny and it felt quite mild but a little bit chilly and it felt so much like a summer's morning in Ballycastle when I was a youngster I was blown away I was just I got in the car came back home and I was I was tingling all over just physically tingling from the cold but also then just the the light the it's the sunlight it was the sunlight it was the greens and the blues and the and just the moment of it, it was, it was incredible and I, I felt like I had these tendrils shooting out from my fingers going back into this July of my childhood, it was unbelievable This was time of year, has
1: that capacity I reckon, down here and it is, it's the light, it's the chill, it's and, still there with the water, you can feel the heat, like the warmth is coming through it and you can feel that you can feel the rays passing through and into you and it's moving you into, into the into the day, into the sun. It was it was I went, incredible. For, I went for a drive. Yesterday actually with my parents and we went down Great Ocean Road, so from Bowen Heads, down through Torquay, Lawn, Wye River, down as far as Skeens Creek. And I I've been thinking this thought since I was since I've been coming to Victoria, which is probably about twelve years now. And it is so like Ireland. If you drive down there on an overcast, misty day, you could be along the <laughs> west coast of Ireland so many times. And I always thought it was me, just being a bit homesick or whatever, my parents this weekend were like, oh, my God, it's just like Ireland. And even further on, when we get down to – I know we spoke about this area quite a lot. That area is um, the Bay of Belfast is what it used to be called. So you got Coroit, Killarney, Warnable yep. Port ferry down that way. Even more so. And this time of year when you get it's a warmer kind of day, so it feels like an Irish day, but it's still kind of cold. It's (laughs) you know between fifteen degrees and twenty degrees. So like on paper that's quite warm, but because you're here in the context of being where we are, you're like, oh Jesus freezing. But I was back yesterday. It was
0: beautiful. Yeah. Um tonight then this is where as we're speaking, it's Sunday night, and tonight coming over here in the dark at 8 o'clock, it felt like the first night where the autumn was suddenly... Shoop. It just felt very autumnal. The sky is clear. It's really chilly. There's a bit of smoke on the wind and there's a dog barking in the distance. And They sound different this <laughs> time. They do, they do. There was a dog barking during
1: the fires. So let's get all the heavy stuff out of the way. So it was the fires at the start of the year. But when that smoke came through, there a few days that came through, so... Geelong, for anyone that doesn't know Australia, Geelong on is on the bottom of Australia and it's a little bit to the west of kind of where Melbourne and, the, and that uh, urban area is. And the fires kind of happened to the east and we got a lot of easterly winds just after the fires. But there one particular day when the place was, it was kind of brown when you looked out the window. But stepping out, that took me back to 80s in Georgia in those first proper cold snaps in autumn when all the chimneys people would have their chimneys lit, would have their fires lit and when if you get one of those cold nights and it, the I don't like, I don't know the science behind it, but it felt like there was a blanket like it was being pushed back down. So the smoke sat really heavy across the town. I walked out and that's the smell. I was just whoom, transported back to the eighties in Drada and a bark a dog barked a couple of gardens across and it had that
2: arr, 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 and it,
1: it was it was crazy. I could have been standing in my own backyard back in draw in like nineteen eighty four
0: or something uh-huh. yeah, yeah. at the age of four <laughs> it's it's that's amazing it's it's it never ceases to amuse me i I feel like the day that something like that doesn't happen to me anymore is the day when i'm um I'm, I'm gone from the earth right because um it's quite hard for me to sort of disentang it's quite hard for me to sort of dis- disentangle myself from the the pool of that memory um um but it's also just such a an amazing experience in my mind it just it's like my mind just falls inside out <laughs> it's like so really. Well,
1: I, I know it's uh well it's uh no it's not a segue but it is like We've mentioned it a few times in the last few podcasts and it's, and it's true because it's something that we've set out to do where this whole thing that we're doing was, in part to capture that connection that people have with the music and the people that they played the music with. Like those, those songs and those tunes are like smells or like those early mornings, they're things that just transport. It is the closest thing to a time machine. It's really, you are that person again for that fleeting moment. And then you snap back out and you find yourself as a a gray gentleman with no here when did that happen?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true so um that seems very uh that seems entirely apt that we have this moment in the podcast where um because of the reasons that everybody else is uh reevaluating what they're doing uh we've also taken this opportunity to have a break and think about where we've come to in this journey since we started, and um, we're going to keep broadcasting the Blarney Pilgrims podcast. And uh, we have some ideas for future episodes, which I think I think can be really great and really interesting. And but it's going to get weird. For but us. it is going to be different. <laughs> it's going to um, get a little bit strange. And for us. Tonight's episode is is going to be yeah, it's going to be different. So this is
1: uh, if you're uh, if you're one of those listeners who comes along to hear the the stories of great players this would be the episode <laughs> and the time of that episode would probably turn off because it is
0: just me and Dom tonight <laughs> but that's if, going to if be if you're one thing. of those yeah if you're one of those other uh, very discerning listeners who who often text and say oh, give us a bit more chat there fellas well tonight's the night for you so we do we're looking at a few
1: different ways of going forward and like as, as many of you which I'm friends with on Facebook and so on are, are already doing we're looking at can we can we, is it possible to do this as a as an online sorry not an online but as a as a visual medium so can we use a Zoom or a a Skype we've already we've always traditionally been very um, skeptical of doing that because we try and have an audio quality that is of, of such a quality that it, it, it's part of what we do we kind of we, we pride ourselves on that but with things the way they are and. Trying to limit the exposure we have to each other and, and social distance what other ways are are there to do it um we know there's many of you listeners out there and many of you are players which then to me makes me feel like many of you are going to be audio people to some regard you're going to have microphones you're going to have um recording past and history so look what, what this is is a call out to have you got any ideas for us we want to continue recording people we want to focus on the chat as much as possible the crack we want to have good fidelity as much as we can so is if anyone out there has any ideas that's in addition to something like zoom or in addition to to skype we're looking at maybe setting up some phone interviews that we might have a phone chat but record the uh, audio on good microphones on both ends, and then we stitch that back together. We're open to anything. We we just want to make it, want to make it happen, particularly because uh well, people, these stories are not going away, and I, our feeling is people are going to want to to listen later on. I know that things are a bit mad right now, and they're a bit busy, but down the road, I think this might be a, a bit of a safe space. And
0: the, I think that's uh, well. I, I hope that's that's true. I think myself and Darren both hope that that's that that's the value of part part of the value of what we're doing, and um, I felt it really profoundly this week. I just thought, you know, even if we have ten listeners over the next month, the fact that we keep doing it is important, and it's something to do with. The heart that we've tried to put into it, and the heart that we've got back from everybody who's taken part in it and also supported it, so hopefully, in keeping with that spirit, uh, we'll be able to keep going so anyway, yeah let's
1: call it if you've got an idea,' you're like hey, lads, know. try this yeah. out whatever you got yeah. Facebook you our emails all up on the website, do all that kind of stuff because yeah we need people. You might be someone who, like, of all these, I wouldn't mind being on a Pilgrims program. Like, this is this is the time we're willing to, to try. And then oh, I suppose it's also a, a warning shot for anyone. Like, there's probably going to be an episode coming up pretty soon where it's a Skype chat. So it may not sound great, but we'll endeavor to, to have a bit of fun and, yeah. and, and capture the moment, capture the person that we're speaking with, because that's, in the end of the day, the most important bit.
0: Yeah. So, so this week, what we're going to do, myself and Darren, is talk to you a wee bit about where we started, and where we've come to over the course of our 41, 42 episodes of the Blarney Pilgrims podcast. And before we get into that, Don, mm-hmm.
1: can I ask you a question? hmm So how did you get into this kind of
0: music? <laughs> are you taking a piss? No. <laughs> um, I don't really know how I got into it. I, there's certain figures who, who are absolutely key to me getting into it, right? Honestly. So my uncle Leo who I have a recording of, and um, I'm hoping that, that I may drop in a wee bit of Uncle Leo in this episode. So, so um, is that on your
1: mum's side, dad's side? So
0: he was my mum's brother, one of my mum's brothers, and um, I managed to record him the last time I was in Ireland, which was a year and a half ago, and um, when you hear his voice, you'll hear that um, it is, uh, it's is—it's not the voice that I grew up with so he's a what lot older well because he's a lot older he was a lot older when I recorded him and he'd just been sick so what's interesting about it is he sounds quite frail um but uh, th- there's still a spark in him you know he still has this spark and he was he was always a very and is uh, just a very strong personality and he was very influential for me really I, he I remember him playing the accordion in our front in our front room when my granny was staying with us for a while when she was sick so he would be one.
1: So he plays accordion. He, he plays accordion. Yeah. Does he like play a whistle as well? No, 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 no. And he, did you play with him much when you're not
0: really? Um, he always said I played too fast. <laughs> um, so no, we, we played. He he's played. You've probably heard me um, refer many times to the cultist group who played in Ballycastle. They played for forty years and still do uh, in a pub in Ballycastle, and he's he's played there for years and in a pub in Cushendall as well. So well, who, did he, uh, who, who, who would he have been chasing around with? He was chasing around. So the, the local players who he played with would be, uh, there, was a, there was a core group. There was a fellow called Lawrence McHenry who played the whistle. There's a, a guy called PJ Hill who still plays, who's a banjo player. And a fellow called Dominic McNabb, who's a fiddle player of some renown. And he unfortunately died maybe about a year ago. Um, and then there's my Uncle Leo so they were kind of the core four as I was kind of growing up And um, so, it, so he would be one in, in terms of just if I think about the first person I actually heard playing it was probably him
2: so
0: speaking of Uncle Leo then I did this recording with him, which we're about to hear, and this is a tune which he wrote himself, which I don't yet know the name of, actually, but I'll find out for the show notes, and you'll hear here just, um, he taught himself, and he, he said to me when I was recording him that he, if he has one big regret about his musical life, it's that he never learned to read music, and... Um, I find that really interesting, given how many people that we've spoken to who come from a mm. classical background who've felt that s- that something of that background made it a challenge for them to to move into the Irish um, way of playing, I guess, and way of learning. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, it's it's Before just a kind of interesting, yeah.
1: Does Uncle Leo play any role in your? maybe
0: want of getting a accordion for yourself i i you know i the be honest bombshell the bombshell, By the way. The bombshell okay so like here's now you've now you're gonna drop me in it uh, nobody nobody in our house knows about this nobody in your house listens <laughs> to this <laughs> so it's safe to say that nobody will at the end yeah. of this episode um darren's got a fiddle and so of course i started thinking well I, for some reason, I have been finding myself. Maybe it's just the sheer volume of material that gets posted on Facebook um, of people playing um, both a one-row melodeon or um, two rows and PC boxes and stuff. I'm just, I kind of like. I think I want to give that a crack. I want to give that a crack. I really do. So anyway, there's. Anybody who's listened to this who's heard me play will of course be, be thinking maybe you should concentrate on the whistle though like how about you learn a few more things but anyway, you know that's the story of my uh, my musical career is that um i get uh, once I start to get quite mediocre at one instrument i want <laughs> i like want to become quite mediocre at another one, so it uh, seems like a good thing to do, yeah, yeah I'm on so, that train um so so yes I, I guess he yeah. does yeah. In answer to your question, so So, here is here's a tune that Uncle Leo
2: wrote. (laughs)
0: By my Uncle Leo. For, for me actually playing, I, I went. I started going to tin whistle lessons that were uh, held in the Ballycastle Museum by uh, two sisters who were called McGrath. I can't remember their first names. I think one of them was Sinead. And I think they were pretty well known and still are as a family from um, the middle part of, uh, of Antrim there. I can't exactly remember where they're from. Um, but... That was kind of how I started learning the whistle, learning Roddy McCarley. And um, there was a there's a book that I, I'm sure everybody who learned the tin Whistle at the time that I was learning it had uh, by the Armagh Pipers Club. It was a little collection of tunes with the, the little diagrams with how many holes to cover. Yeah. So, I, I mean, the, so the, the, the tunes in there, there was Danny Boy, there was a tune called The Grandfather Clock, there was a slide, a slide called Dennis Murphy's, uh, there was Polka's, um, there was merrily Kiss the Quaker's wife. It was called in that. Um, so anyway, that that book is is there, and so so that kind of got me into a, f- a few tunes, and then the the real breakthrough for me. Right, go on. I'm making very heavy weather of this story. It's not interesting, but anyway, the main the main breakthrough for me was a woman called Ita McMichael. Now, Ita was a friend of my mum and dad's, and. Um, she was a real uh just a wonderful enthusiastic energetic woman she wrote poetry she was super smart she was always out and about talking to people just very very positive very energetic and when our school had been our secondary school was renovated the bishop was coming and there was going to be a concert and ita took it upon herself to get me her son owen who could already play and Tony Murray. Son of another teacher in town, to get together to play some tunes, and that was the first time I ever played in public, and it was uh, for me, uh it was just I, I'm to 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 the day I die, I'll be grateful to Ida McMichael for making me go down to her house and learn those tunes with Tony and Owen. So, what it,
1: age were you? Charles?
0: Um I was about twelve, maybe yeah. eleven or twelve. Yeah, and how long so. had you been playing? Oh, I don't know. A couple of years, but I didn't play, I didn't really practice much. I went to the lessons but I didn't really practice much and But what, what but made it you was, pick it was, up the whistle? Like what what was your draw to it in the uh, first place? It was it just I didn't an hear any whistlers apart from that one fellow Lawrence McHenry at the it called us. It was it was uh you know, you could get one for three ninety nine or whatever. That was it. Frugality. And, <laughs> yeah, frugality. Lack of pocket money, yeah. You know. Um, but I,
1: I know you mentioned before your mum out of nowhere played yeah, yeah she did. so did anyone else play music in, in the family because you've a lot of my brother as well. my
0: my brother column had a had a ball back bazooki of the nana muscuri band kind yeah you know, yeah which he used to footer about on and he had a big black harmony sovereign guitar which didn't have a bridge on it but he I, he gave that guitar to me as well my brother column um and I, I think he's the only one who played Sinead played a bit of fiddle and Carmel, but they, they never it never took with them, they never really got into it. So um but there was there was a lot of music played around the house from records and things all the time. And I do have a a, a memory very, very clearly of my one of my brothers playing me the Andy Irvin, Paul Brady album. And I also remember my brother Jared playing for me the black Day album the first Day album mm-hmm. and i i remember this because for some reason i think maybe we were getting radiators into the house so the house was all higgledy piggledy yeah. and the record player was in the kitchen and i remember the thing going down the the record had it was, an, mean, all it, it was an att it was an att um record player that had that, that, it, that long spindle stack? in the middle so you could stack the yeah, albums yeah, yeah. yeah. so the arm comes over, clicks down on the on the album and it's sitting at the top of the spindle and then it falls down onto the turntable and then the arm comes over, clunk. And there's this whole elaborate sort That's, of you machinery. Know, you know
1: what that is? You make me excited. That's the drone of a, um, of a pipe <laughs> when, when you know something amazing it's, is going to happen. Yeah. You hear that. And
0: that was it. Down <laughs> comes the needle and there's this moment of crackly darkness and then there's deedle 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 deing, the first few uh, strands of the raggle taggle gypsy this this sort of stringy figures that Andy Irvin and Don Lonnie play at the start of that and that is absolutely another thing that's kind of just hammered into my mind like with a with a I don't know what what do you hammer things into your mind with <laughs> A Hammer, yeah, yeah, that'll do. A nail, beautiful. Uh, So, so there you go. So, that's
1: no, but what before you before we leave, and I don't think that might be for a while. The you had, but you had Scottish stuff coming in from your dad's side too. Not your dad was Scottish, I don't think, but yeah, no, listen to Scottish radio.
0: My dad was my dad was a great man for listening to Scottish country dance music and there was a show on Radio Scotland which I think I talked to Paddy Fitzgerald about when we were chatting to him and it was called Take the Floor and it's, I think it still goes and at the time it, I think it was presented by Robbie Shepherd, who's a, is a, a really well known Scottish broadcaster and it was this Scottish accordion music Caeli music so music that always started with Now I never liked it. We always hated it. It was always on on a Saturday evening after we'd finished our tea and we were doing the dishes. And my dad was sitting in the soft chair by the range, and he would sit there, and the, the radio was on his lap, and he would sort of drift off to sleep with the radio on his lap. And his his fingers we, we would sit watching his fingers just loosen on the radio, the grip. Because if we could get hold of the radio, we'd get it out to the scullery and put it on Radio Luxembourg or something. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so why what what what, what and, have you put on it? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Well, and then the minute you got, you just, it's, it, you just, down you go and you just get hold of the radio and then my dad would be like, leave that thing alone.
1: Like my dad and a remote control, always fall asleep with the remote control as soon as you got to change it. I'm watching that. Right. You're <laughs> not watching Same that. Thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. So, so yeah, that was. So, but what, what else was happening? Was it, we, cause you were. If that's in the seventies,
0: I'd imagine like mid seventies. I'm mi- I mid late seventies, eighties. Yeah. Was
1: it? Just, what, what else was
0: going oh, on? Oh, there's there's also so with with all my brothers and sisters, there was there was records around, right? So there was everything from ABBA to Barclay James Harvest. I went through a Barclay James Harvest phase, you know, like English, know English soft prog rock type stuff. Um, very, uh, I was going to say very peculiar. It's, it, I'm sure lots of people still love that stuff. I, I mean, I, I would go through the, these phases of whatever my brothers and sisters would bring into the house. I would yeah. end up listening to um, my sister. Carmel fell in love with Air Supply for a while because um, you're the youngest of a, of a long. I'm, ride, a youngest right? of, oh, I'm the youngest of I'm the youngest boy of twelve. Right. So I've got two younger sisters. So, so that's a, so there's a lot of there was a lot of things to mix there. Easy <laughs> have a
1: curated for you on the way through. You know, and there's
0: yeah. you know there's Danny Doyle. Whiskey on a Sunday. My brother Colin had that for a while. I remember there was a period when I was about ten when I just couldn't get enough of that album. And uh, what else? Just all all sorts. There was it was the, the Johnsons, the Johnsons. Do you know who they yeah. are? There was a the Irish version of the Jacksons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They were like um, I think they were forerunners to the band that. They were sort of the forerunners to Sweeney's Mankind. No, that's not right. I Scrub that. I don't even really know who yeah. they were either. Anyway, they had an album. I used to listen to that. Um, and then my dad had all this other stuff. So my dad would order things. I think he, he wanted to sort of... My dad was a real believer in education for all of us children, right? It was like a huge thing because he, I think he felt that he had been denied some educational opportunities just being a Catholic in Northern Ireland and stuff. So so he, he was always trying to educate us. So he would also order these things from the Reader's Digest, these box sets. So we had box sets of great country and western standards we had um viennese light operetta we had actual proper old big style opera like wagner and stuff uh, all in box sets so it's like all condensed <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you had know? the <laughs> upshop the upshop we, in we, set directly much, to you, pretty much. We had to your the room. magic of mantovani the the magic of Val Dunican. Yeah. um there was a whole range of um valdonican decca had this i think it was Decca had this whole range of things the magic of Val Dunican, the magic of Andy Williams, you know, so all those. So I've been through them all. There's nothing that, you know, there's nothing I nothing. haven't heard. Nothing. But what was going on with school then? Like was that? So there wasn't, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't much you traditional music at school. Um, the, the the next great breakthrough for me was meeting my mate Alex Campbell, who we sort of bonded over uh, a mutual love of of Bob Dylan. We he was into it, and I was just kind of getting into Bob Dylan. And we then realized also that uh, we could just have a great laugh by laughing at other people in sixth form, and fifth form who weren't into it. Yeah. Um who were listening to Kajugo and stuff. Um so so that was the next thing. So then we played a bit and my friends I had friends, Margaret McShane and Brona Scaley and Cloda Murray and Tony Murray who I played with at the school concert. We used to play together in a pub the House of McDonald uh, in Ballycastle in this wee back room. And again, these beautiful memories of just going in there on a night like tonight, like a like a chilly autumn night, you go in with kind of a guitar wrapped up in bin bags and a mandolin in a duffel bag yeah. that Alex Campbell's dad had given me with a flute and a whistle stuffed in it. And we'd go down into this back room and some nights it would be just us and other nights there would be like, seemed like, hundred and thirty people <laughs> crammed into this tiny, tiny room. It was it was I mean I look back on it now and I just think it was a dream. dream it was yeah. a dream. What a dream. And we went from there. Um things got a bit difficult there, I think, because we we once tried to play a version of Oblivious by Aztec Campbell. Uh, by by Aztec <laughs> Camera. <laughs> it was alex campbell's fault actually, because yeah, yeah. he was he was like Look, wait, wait you see this is an f minor that goes all the way up to the seventh fret you know yeah. and i think that was that was deemed a bit too jazzy so that gig came to an end but we were quickly snapped up by another pub just down the road the boyd arms and that that, that then became our our home for another year or something and two years maybe and it was, it was bloody brilliant was it
1: was there much music in valley castle There. <clears throat> no I don't mean that in a bad way I'm not saying if you could play there must not have been much music <laughs> no, but it, you know, I didn't, implications you know there.
0: there were no gatekeepers for it that way yeah. um, I don't my memory of it is is that there wasn't my memory of it is that there was uh, there was us playing in the pub playing Irish stuff and then there was the cultist group on a Thursday night which was older and pr- for me at the time felt pretty staged you know so I that was that's my memory of it was is that there wasn't a awful lot. When I go there now, there's music everywhere, like music everywhere. There's there's a young group that plays in the cultist pub. Yeah. There's just people playing all over the place. Brilliant, brilliant musicians, better yeah. than I'd be in a hundred years, right? So, so it's, it seems like th- that's how I I see it. And yeah, I don't know. I I wouldn't be able to pick this, but I'll ask you anyway. Is there a North Antrim sound? Is there a is there a style from that region? You know, you're asking the wrong person because mm. I don't really know. I think there's a Scottish influence there. Um, I mean, I I don't know that I could hear it, but I think there is a Scottish influence there. I think I can hear a Scottish influence kind of in the way that Uncle Leo plays because he, he plays a quite straight style. It's not very flowery, right? Mm-hmm. It's not very ornamented. I, I don't know if that's Scottish or not. I, that's what I've sort of labelled it as in my head. So I don't really know, to be honest. I don't, don't really, really know. So that's me. So I'd love to keep on, on you asking, asking you questions. Me. I know we've got a bit
1: of a format but were you happy for me to keep on asking questions yeah
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah i'm finding it really interesting because you're giving me much more than i think we would normally get if we're having a a chat and that's to do with me not putting in as much (laughs) let me tell you my story so there's there's a bit of music going on and who's the woman you mentioned you played in the band with
0: Margaret McShane. There's um, Margaret
1: McShane, who you were going to go back to and and get the band back together.
0: Last uh, you know, year? we had a we had an idea that um, we were going to do that uh, last year, um, but we couldn't mani- manage it sort of logistically. So there was Margaret and there was Deirdre McCary and Bronis Galley and then Clodagh, and they they did the singing most of it, and then there was myself and Tony, and then Alex kind of came in and out at various points. So. I'm presuming, but I'm, I'm is it, w- were you playing like Irish? Or all sorts. We were playing tunes. um, So we had some tunes, which are, (laughs) I'm afraid to say, 40 years later, are still my staple, you know. Um, So we were playing tunes, and then we would do some pretty uh, sailing southwards from Rathlon Island, which um, was written by Brian Connors, who wrote the song that we're about to hear in a minute or two. Um, And we would do uh, a lot of, uh, a couple of Fury Brothers things. We did a thing called The Leaving of Nancy, which was a Fury Brothers song. We did The Greenfields of France, The Town I Love So Well, those sort of pub standards, as well as a couple of um, Stockton's Wing songs that were a bit more up our street that we felt were a wee bit more hip than a couple of Clanid things, I think we did. Because um, early clannad before they before they went to the synthesizer shop, uh, yeah. it was really kind of interesting and seemed a bit out there to us at the time. It did to me, anyway.
1: And then cuz you then moved to Scotland I moved to in, Scotland uh, yeah. right. So that
0: was when you finished high school, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: Did you bring Irish music to Scotland?
0: Well, there was a wee bit of Irish music before I came.
1: <laughs> <laughs> in Scotland? Odds with there. Yeah, no. Not, not not did you bring uh, it over and they yeah. like
0: check this out. Is that like is that like um introducing the horse to America? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, but did, did you did you play? I, you know, I, did, I played a wee bit. Did in, it play any role? I played a wee bit in the pub, but it, um, there was a folk night at the university I went to, and I used to play there with um, a lovely fellow, uh, Colin Whitelaw who played guitar. But um, never played seriously. Never played in sessions or anything. You really. couldn't convince everyone else to play the whole repertoire. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah, pretty much yeah. Right. So so so, it, so it, it, that's when it, it it sort of started drifting really in and out. Right of my life, and and then there was a long period where it was just it was kind of gone. And I would listen to. I mean, I've always listened, and I keep listening, and I always listen. But but in terms of really playing and really applying myself, I've I've done none of that since I was in my early twenties. None, none of it till. Up so until when you went my... to America. That it was. It was. You weren't playing at all then. Uh, well, I was playing. I would play with friends and things, and sing and and stuff. You know, just having a couple of beers and in, in the house and yeah. things like that. But I wasn't playing in but sessions tunes, or anything. Yeah, uh, yeah, a couple of tunes. Yeah, yeah. But I wasn't learning anything, and I wasn't. I wasn't pushing myself. Mm. I was just, you know, doing it for the fun of it, which is fine. And I'm not, you know, not knocking it. Um, I also then, I, you know. While I was in before I went to America, I I started singing as well, and I I started just really loving learning songs because I, I I realized I, it, it's very frustrating when you are sitting around and lots of people have guitars but nobody knows more than one verse of a song. It started to drive me up the wall. And I thought, well, if nobody else knows a song, at least I'm going to know three, just to just to get us through the evening and stuff. And I, I just really discovered that although my voice is not particularly pleasant that I love doing it. I love singing. I just feel like I kind of fold in on myself and I go back to that same place I was talking about earlier on. Something to do with just um, a memory space where I'm, uh, uh, I don't know. You know that thing about your memory being a palace or something? It feels like that to me. It's like the palace of my memory. I just go in there and it's like it's just full of riches and that happens when I'm singing as well. Like, so, when you play as a song.
1: I know this is a surprise, but I'm hoping you would take us up on it. Yeah,
0: you know what? I will. And you buy it. I will. I will. For the time that's in it, and the, yeah, I will. Better when you know you can. And there's like, <laughs> so so I did I did actually play in a, just after New Year's in Oban one year, we had a had a really mad sort of, you know when you're single and everybody's single and everybody's just kind of getting hammered at New Year's and... We we're in this pub in o- Oban open and there was a guy playing and I I was four or five sheets to the wind and he took a break. He was playing an acoustic guitar, he took a break, and he says, Anybody wants to get up and do a song? Come on up and I got up and I thought, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do take me on country roads. Everybody'll like that, you know, it's kind of the west of Scotland. It's a good old come all ye, everybody <laughs> everybody get in. And I started and the guy had a wee rhythm box, and his rhythm box started the minute I started playing his guitar, and it was just doing this kind of like <laughs> this sort of um, bossa nova type thing, and I was kind of like, "What the fuck? What's going on?" And then somebody said, "Play the one you know you can." <laughs> it's the best hackle. <laughs> so, uh, so
1: that was me. I, I sort of, I I, I, I only mention it because I've seen Dom get up to sing a few times, and it's usually Dom's wife. <laughs> Just In the, the corner, doing the heckling, and she has she's yelled that one. I thought it was a uh, uh, yeah. I thought it was an Elisa original. when I first had like, oh my god, I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> I right, get the guitar.
0: All right, I get the guitar.
1: <laughs> During my interview, I'll do the A part of the cash <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> hey, hey,
2: hey,
0: all right. I'm uh. adoring this. I feel like this is a very bad <laughs> a very bad idea, but I'm going to do it. Thank so, you, man. There you go. I mean, uh, so speaking of, of the memory thing, right, so um, this song uh, was written by Michael Mara, Scottish songwriter, and uh, I, st- I met Michael Mara once in a pub in Glasgow, and uh, he was at the far end of the bar, and I remember looking at him, there's was a bar just near where the BBC was, and I was looking at him and I thought I want to go over and speak to him I want to go over and say hello I couldn't think of him and he was having his pint and I was watching him going down his pint and I got another pint and he's, I was just watching his pint like kind of mouthful by mouthful I was like Fuck, if I don't go over soon he's going to be away and I'll never have her a chance so I went over and I said to him Mr Mara and he looked up and he was wearing his he used to wear this berry and he looked up and he says I and I said uh, I'm just a great a great admirer of, of your 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 songs your, your work he said, Thanks very much, and then I <laughs> went back to my point. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was nothing. Stared into space. So you know, perfect, really. You know. Um, <clears throat> so this song, then um, I ended up playing this when I was in Seattle. I had, a, I had three friends who I used to play a lot with in Seattle, um, and we. I used to get together on a Tuesday night before any of us had young kids and um, drink a lot and play but the rule was you had to bring a song so you had to be able to go through a song from start to finish or try to so that none of us ended up sitting strumming all night but not actually finishing then. so it turned out great <laughs> anyway When these shoes were new, it was how you do? It was whiskey and telling our tales. And when my shirt was clean, I was there to be seen. I had clear eyes and my smile never failed. All of my brothers that I met on the way, they were drinking by night, they were drinking by day. Ah, uh, restore to my eyes What was clear and was bright And take me out drinking tonight Take me out drinking tonight Bluebells on matches And stands on the table And the sweet smell of the luscious woodbines Ah, uh, Mr. McEwen I say it, but I really don't mind. All of my brothers that I met on the way, they were drinking by night, they were drinking by day. I restored to my eyes what was clear and was bright, and take me out of drinking tonight. Take me out. Well, I'm still smiling through the other on my shoes. The right is heavy, but the left it is light. If it's left up to you, then I know what we'll do. Take me out drinking tonight. All of my brothers that I met on the way, they were drinking by night, they were drinking by day. I restored to my eyes what was clear and was bright. And take me out drinking tonight. Take me out drinking tonight. Take me out drinking tonight. Drink
2: tonight.
1: Thanks, man. That's brilliant. I'm gonna get you to come in a bit. Thanks so much for doing that. Oh, drop you in it. Uh, you could probably see it in my eyes uh, when yeah. you started talking about singing. I was sitting going, uh, oh God,
0: uh, <laughs> "You better do it." Well, but when did you start singing? What, what, what? I, you know, I started singing because so um, I mean, this turns into like a, a list of people who I uh, have been lucky enough to hang about with, and just these beautiful friends that i've had all my life right but that like my friends hillary and george and ian and frank McCulloch, who was a great guitar player friends in scotland yeah yeah yeah. um all of those people at various points i used to play in bands with or else we would um george and hillary used to go around to their house a lot and sing and drink wine and play cards and stay up to all hours and um and then um in Seattle, you know, my mate Greg, who's a long time old, old, old friend and his wife Patricia and then Heather, um, who uh, is just this lovely singer and a, just a real, one of those people who's just a amazing spirit in the world. She's she's, she's an activist, she's a, just a lovely, lovely, dynamic, hilarious woman, you know, um, a bit like Elisa, my wife. <laughs> And uh, and then there's another friend, Jim, who used to play with us in that we band too. So and then yeah, so I mean, I I feel funny kind of um, naming all these people who have not asked to be named in this podcast. But as I'm thinking about it, um, there is this line in a Patrick Kavanagh poem about the naming of things being the love act. Like that that there's there's an, it's an act of love sometimes just to say someone's name, and that's how I feel about these people, right? Who just have given me so much in my life of of music and just the generosity of of the generosity of them listening and singing and playing and being in the same space with me i mean it's just it's i, I get that gorgeous when the first time you
1: i heard you sing i was struck straight away by how you <laughs> sung in your own accent. well no it's a and it goes off what you were just saying right there's an it is an intense authentic, authenticity that's the word and I think it comes from what you were just saying then about your friends too. But you're also sing in your own accent, and it doesn't matter what song we're singing. Like even if you and I are, are singing Stewball or something, it's delivered in an Antrim accent. And but you're a fellow who's lived in lived there, lives in lived in Scotland for such a long time, lived in America for such a long time, living here. Was that something that you tried to do when you were when you were learning to sing? You know, do you know what I'm asking? I, I, like do, that I do. I do. T-
0: totally, yeah. I, I think, um, I, I mean, it's not like I think that carefully about what I'm doing. It's not like I see myself as being an artist, right? But, but do, but do I you do, think? But I do think about it, yeah. I guess I do think about it. Yeah. So, in answer to your question, at some point, yeah, I didn't want to sound like an Irish person singing with an American accent. It's not like I ham it up, I just try and be mindful of. The way that I'm saying things, I'm I'm really
1: envious of that. I think because I lost like my my Drogheda accent w- was a, and I hope I don't offend anyone from Dharara. But it wasn't something to be overly proud of when you left Dharara, and even if you were in Dharara to have a strong Dharara accent, had you marked as a as like you would be looked down on by a lot of people by having a stronger accent. I mean, like I think that's just the way more you'd be maybe more working class. I was pretty much in the middle, so I had kind of a working class accent, but not working class enough to fit in with the lads that were kicking the shit out of me, and <laughs> not enough with the toffs that were looking down on me. So I think I don't know if I changed my accent on purpose. No, sorry, I know I didn't change it on purpose, but I know I let it flow out of me easy. I didn't hold on to it. Does that make sense? So I didn't mm-hmm. give it away. It was mm-hmm. when it was being tugged at, it was I let go of it quite easy. And years later, particularly now when I'm when I'm approaching singing and even even songs that i'm trying like i try and write and i try and sing it in my own accent i feel like i'm such a sham i'm like I'm, i've got no i've got no voice because that even even now going back to what i think i probably would have sounded like feels like i'm putting on somebody else's skin to sing it so i feel like a fraud in my own Accent delivery because it it's not the and I, I don't know what I've got at the minute. Like to my ears, it sounds like a Drockada accent. like get told all the time I sound Australian, so I'm I,
0: lost. I and when
1: I don't want to sing, I sing in an American accent.
0: I suppose that, I suppose that if you were to sing in a an affected Drockada accent as best you could pull it off, that would be an affectation, right? Mm-hmm. That would be that would be you being a fraud. You singing in the voice that, that comes naturally to you now, yeah, right that. That's that's the real thing. That's the that's the moment that you're in. That's the moment in your life you're in, right? With all the years in Australia and um, and all the years since. since so I suppose talking. that's why
1: I asked you did Did you have a feeling like that,
0: like what I'm going through? Uh, I I know what you mean. Like like at school for sure. There was uh, I mean, accent is one of those things. It's just another tool for social stratification, <laughs> right? It's a way of people kind of singling other people out right at at, at some level and so I, i'm sure that that definitely happened you know um but with regards to
1: to singing when you when you were starting to sing because it sounds like you started to sing by the time you were in scotland you weren't singing when you were in ireland so you're in scotland aye. so i'm maybe projecting but i'm imagining as well that some of those ideas of identity were coming into play like singing in your old accent like i'm not i actually i don't know maybe it's because the no Irish accent and a Scottish accent share some similarities. Right? Maybe it wasn't so much of a thing. Maybe it was.
0: Like, yeah. Did, I did didn't, it enter you at all? You don't remember. I don't really know to yeah. be honest. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I was more just thinking like, um, can I learn words <laughs> and then come out <laughs> and and get them to come out when I want them to? Yeah. Right. When somebody's actually sitting waiting for them.
3: <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: It's like having a bakery and there's lots of people queuing up so, outside for buns and you're. You actually don't have any. <laughs> it's like, I know this is a bakery, and I know that we said we'll open at eight, but actually we have no buns. No Sorry. buns. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, well, what about you then? Like when we started this, we had this idea that that you were sort of approaching Irish music, quote unquote, for the first time. Is that how you you see it now? That that's where you were starting from.
1: Uh, yeah. So yes, but I suppose it's a bit complicated i think for me a lot of it was tied in with an identity as well and not so did irish at a very basic level all the way through school and then as soon as i finished school never used irish again um never played gaelic really never played hurling really like a few games here and there but so that i didn't have that didn't have music either coming from johada like i mentioned before it's not quite dublin it's also not the culture you're also not the, it's not the country so from dublin, people from dublin looking at me it was like you're a culture when i was in johada anyone that was from the the country would just be like you're a scumbag so I've, i think for me the whole time is this recurring thing of being like just in like not being able to suit any mass group at all and not really identifying with either of them within it um I was lucky, like you're mentioning people, like when I was a teen coming up I was really lucky to meet a couple of, a, a, a group of lads who I, I, I only met when I was about 15, 16, that kind of changed everything on, on who I was becoming I suppose and they got me interested much more in, in music and literature and being proud to to be smart I think is probably a weird way of looking at it. So. I couldn't, you couldn't wait to go and read something so you could then bring it to the table and then get into juicy conversations. And then when, when it comes to music, one of my mates, Fergal Bradley, once I'd met Fergal and then definitely with literature and music with him, I found like I, I had now something to, to grasp onto. And then I think when I moved away from Ireland and I, mean, I lost contact with... Sorry. Yeah, no, but you so when you say literature and music, what was it?
0: Like what kind of things...
1: Oh, me, my, me and Ferry were Bowie fanatics. Right, it, like everything Bowie ever released was that
0: like before he no, left, left the Bothy Band? Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David. <laughs> no,
1: yeah, yeah, that. So there was there was no Irish music at all. We would once in a blue moon go down to a pub in Drada called Carberry's. So. Uh, Carbry's is right down in the docks because it's on the docks it has a morning license so it opens at 6 a.m or it used to open at 6 a.m it's also shrouded in mystery and intrigue so apologies standing from drada that listens to this i't know i'll probably get some details wrong but this is my recollection of carby's so it's down right right on the docks tiny little building old building the, the thinnest double doors you've ever come across, mm-hmm. heavy black double doors, but they're only about shoulder <laughs> shoulder width, both of them. And, and so you kind of, and they just, they flap open. And when you walk in straight away on your left-hand side, there is a snug. The snug maybe would fit five people if one was sitting on someone's knee, right? So that's a ton. And then it, then you walk into the main part of the bar. And the main part of the bar is as big as your smallest room, of anyone's smallest room. It's just it's tiny... Room, you've got a fireplace in the middle on one end you've got a table and like a bigger table that you can sit around with chairs in, and you're around almost a mirror and that's the entire pub the whole place is lit with is it like is it five watt bulbs a thing <laughs> the lowest light. Uh-huh. there's huge poster on the wall from what was it called it was a big gig at Liston Varna and it has every band like Planksty body band, all all on the walls. Got like there's newspapers stuck to the wall. in wallpaper that I've been there since the inception of the place. The bathrooms for years were always <laughs> an intrepid place to go, but just painted glossy black walls that would just go down into the gutter behind a curtain. And it was all the mystique was all from Mrs. Carberry, who was the, the ban on tea the woman in the house if I remember and there was always rumours of you could buy a scoop at Carberry's, or you'd get slops. Or the other thing was, hey, if you're going to Carberry's, you, you can't you can't just walk in and order a drink. Oh, you can't go walk in and use the bathroom first before you order a drink. Why not? Well, if you do that, she'll presume you were in another pub before it and she'll kick you out. For years, the other thing was you could never, fellas under 23 could never buy a shot, no spirits. <laughs> Women, no spirits. Women, no pints, only halves. Uh, if you spoke during the music, ho, mm-hmm. And we, like, what, you do it once, you right. get a CUNIS, do it twice, you're out. I brought some friends over that were visiting from England one time and we sat in that little snug I just mentioned and my friend Ellie was like, oh, she was blown away by this place. It is. a time capsule." She jumped up took a quick photograph. She came in and bollocked us out of it because we didn't ask for permission to take this photograph. So this this pub has got Right. Oodles of car. Like, I remember going to Dublin when I started working in Dublin, and people wouldn't. I'm like, oh, Carby's, is that the one that's. And, and, yeah. and so Mrs. Carby and then Mrs. Carby had two sisters who were also big personalities who played right. a lot in the uh, in the legend that it, it still is. It's still open. Like, even when I was there for the flyer, I went to, <laughs> to pop in, and it was like Friday night of the fly, maybe Saturday night of the flyer, when it was ending. So everywhere's chockers, and I'm like, oh, Carby's are great if I can get in there. Went down. It was nine o'clock. They were shutting up for like that. Nah, that's it. Had enough. <laughs> that's the kind of joint it is like. Nah, uh-huh. we don't do it for the business. Plan's over. Yeah, fun is. This is getting too too much. Money's coming in. Here. Well, so yeah, so that's where the session was. So every now and again, we'd you pop down there. My dad used to play down there on a Sunday morning. Um, I knew there was another one or two sessions out of Jordan. and like now thinking back, I would have. I knew there was other stuff going on, but I had no interest in Irish music. It just I don't even know where it sat with me. It just, it was of no, it didn't register. It just didn't, didn't grab me in didn't any- Didn't make it a ripple.
0: Yeah.
1: There's so much other stuff going on. Like, I, like, I, like so I'm I'm 40 this year. So dance music and techno was all like, when I was 12, 13, 14, 15, that was like, it was all like that. that whole music was being dumped into- Mm-hmm. Into Ireland, England. I wasn't like that. Was I was obsessed with that? But like, I was always obsessed with music. Always had like I was influenced a lot by my uncle, who was only four years older than me. He was a big Excess fan, Erasure fan. Um, his brother, Queen, Led Zeppelin. There's always music in their house, and I was constantly in, in their house. <laughs> so always obsessed with music. And like when the, my maybe tenth birthday, I got a yeah tape player. And I just, I just listened to music constantly. What did I mention that? Well, oh, and then yeah, techno. Once techno and and that came in, I just became obsessed with that. So, I when I was uh, when I was hanging around with Fergal, I flirted with the idea of learning the guitar a few times. Like I was big into Bowie, and I would have been trying to learn. I think when I picked up the guitar, I would have tried to learn some Bowie stuff. I'm like, oh. Yeah, Bo, you're a bit of a dick with those chords, aren't you? It's What's wrong? Chords
0: going past the third fret. Where <laughs> yeah, I'd at?
1: At begin yeah. it, but was always Get you throwing at Tom and Eels for that. <laughs> but it was always it was always the the techno electronic dance music that had me pull in one particular direction. I think I've mentioned it a few times on the yeah, podcast okay. that I know I, that I've got into traditional music, American and Irish too there's a there's a lot of similarities there their instrumental repetitive nature and particularly I know I'm drawn to those longer tunes that are drawn out the ones that really get you in a trance those shit those what I didn't know before those slight shifts in key that just make you you, well it makes everything it can make you it can make a song extremely sad it can make the change extremely exhilarating that's all the similarities that I knew knew and I was familiar from, from techno and dance music and now seeing it in, in traditional music. Mm-hmm. So, going back to your question. Yes, this is me really coming to it for the first time. And and and, if for anyone that didn't know, I I, I've, I have gone through traditional old time American music just before this. So in the last.
0: So, Six years, and I, I should say for the benefit of any listener who isn't aware of this, you know, Darren doesn't do things by half. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'll sort of stick my toe in for a bit and go, ah, it's not bad. Darren's in there, like, I mean, you just, um, oh well, with you do, you do, yeah, you, you absolutely do. You, you, you dive in like just the whole way. You got to,
1: you got to taste it.
0: I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I,
1: I can't appreciate it's not appreciate i think you have to learn to like it like i i think the most simplest analogy is and i think most listeners will be able to kind of find something in this it's like drinking guinness for the first time then many people probably go oh i didn't like it well that's lots of music like i've i haven't gone back to but nearly everyone that drinks guinness the first time you sip it probably all beer you sip it and you go well thought was going to be better than this and i think that's how i feel about lots of lots of things and mm. it's not until you you find that acquired taste that you, you you're never going to find it like how how are you going to find it i don't know if i even find i found that with buying albums i think i said it to you before it was always the ones where you bought it and you brought it home and you stick it in it. it was brilliant that you never listened to again they were too good too soon <laughs> it was the inevitably it was the one you bought and you went home you stuck it on you went Oh no! I spent fifteen euro on that, fifteen pounds on that. <laughs> well, I bought it. Guess I am going to play it again. Guess uh, I am going to play, it. and then <laughs> that is the an album. That's the that is the album. <laughs> and I, just, I've so many. I've like gone through all these different ones in my mind. There is so yeah. many.
0: Give me one, like what, like what, one album? Um, the Benz Radiohead. Right. Okay,
1: like okay, had to work on that. Oh, amazing! Uh, the album that Gish was on for Smashing Pumpkins—I remember buying that too. Going, huh. Like now, I still like—I don't think it's a great album now, but I was like, that I miss that. But you listened to it, I oh, listened to and it on, and and over and over and over and over. And, over, and, over and, yeah. again. Oh, and then, and I—it's actually probably easier to remember other ones where I bought it. I'm like, this is going to be brilliant, and it was. I but yeah. there's no—I didn't bring anything yeah. to it, yeah. <laughs> and that's why Fergal for me was. A dream come true because Fergal would also do the work on these albums right you know, like, so then you've got these
0: like, like you. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 that's that's pretty great well um, so th-
1: with that in mind like then when I when I bought a banjo looking at I wasn't listening like when I bought a banjo I wasn't looking at old time or bluegrass or anything because I didn't really even know I was looking at folk to be honest at the time, I didn't know what I was looking at. Mm-hmm. I knew I liked the sound of the banjo. There was a lot of, um, like, early two thousands. There was like, the likes of Smog, Bonnie Prince Billy, Sophie and Stevens. All that seems happening. Banjo was around. It was in, in there the, Beck. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah. and I was I was listening to it for a fair bit of that stuff. So I kind of just thought it's a nice instrument, and I had this idea of because I was making producing beats as well <laughs> on, the, on the laptop. I'm like, It'd be great doing like a hip hop banjo thing i had this idea anyhow it was only then when i got the banjo and then i started to find out what old time was i saw i saw a window of like what is that and i started to have a listen And i definitely grabbed things that were right. too too big too soon listen to like a tommy gerald or someone like like the old fiddle tunes it was like whoa whoa that is abrasive i can't who's
0: tommy gerald an old time fiddle player. Like an old old time? Yeah, filter. yeah,
1: yeah. Right. Okay. Um and it was and there was a good few of them I listened to and I was like, I just I can't I can't do that. Like um also stuff like the Smithsonian uh, recordings, yeah, yeah. a lot of that, a lot of um I can't think of his name now, famous archival, oh my god. Lomak. Lomax. Lomax. Like Alan, those, recordings. Lomax
0: stuff, yeah. yeah.
1: But as as much as that repelled me, I knew, okay, I see what's happening here. I just need to
0: So so uh, did, need to add did you play land. anything before that?
1: Nothing before the banjo.
0: Yeah. So so the banjo is the instrument that sort of opens up playing for you? I say
1: nothing. I have made music on the computer, I could record chords or finger picking. I could finger pick enough to for four bars and yeah. then cotton loop. Yeah. So I could produce same on a harmonic and make enough so I could I could get it together enough to, to make really bad Without, like whatever music I was making. But this was the first, the banjo was the first instrument I went, right.
0: And you so this? it's playing the banjo and singing as well. So um, singing didn't come in for ages. Right. So singing was only,
1: when I met you, right. I sang to you. You were the first person I ever sang in front of.
0: Really? Yeah. Remember you the day you turned that
1: yeah, and the day you came up here when we first met? Me and Dom had a first date, everyone. So <laughs> when we went on our first date, it was when Dom called around to my house and we went down to the pub and i'm sober a few years now so i sat there and drank lemon (laughs) lemon lime bitters and dom had a beer so that was like a proper date date and then on that it was like oh well both of us like music and we play music we should hang out so dom (laughs) called around to my house there one day with his guitar so this is two grown men that i've never really met before now sitting in our kitchen incredibly sober Right. Yes. How do we do this now? Uh, this yeah. feels very strange. <laughs> Did for me.
0: I anyway. remember. I remember it was an extremely hot day, and I was living just down the road. We were at the house just down the road. I came out, and there was nobody on the street, but there was like a 90 mile an hour wind, and it was hot. It was like being under a hand dryer. And I was like, I would only been in Australia for like three weeks. I was like, Jesus, this place is. This is gonna. I'm never gonna survive this. There was like dust and leaves blown in my face I was kind of traipsing up to your eyes. gone this, this guy never even has a drink Jesus
1: am I going to get through this <laughs> this is going to be no crap uh, yeah. and here we are here we are so that's um, alright so yeah that came that came later yeah and not only I think that came again because it's these things are fun. now, like with Blarney Pilgrims and you'll speak to someone and you'll go oh that's I've got, I mentioned it with Rob and I think we mentioned it with uh, sorry, Rob Zielinski, and we mentioned it I think during uh Arlene O'Brien and Mary McNamara around like uh, a particular CD make or record come out and it ch- and it changes things and the, and and then a style is known because right. of that one thing. Yeah. And I found I had to find out the hard way too with kind of old and like, I fucking hate old time as a it's just the worst name for a genre. <laughs> Anyhow, I found that out too with old time that there's a whole lot more to it that are, to it then meets the eye in first in, right. f- in first time looking at it because as soon as you use that name right all time you're served up a certain type of content right i'm like i'm definitely talking about in a digital age and it was only in the last say three years where i started to find a whole other side of it like particularly looking into lomax and that where there's a lot of singing and Sing a song, like, yeah, sing a song or banjo players, right? And solo banjo players and fiddle players with songs, which is completely different than the, the thing I thought I was into in the first place. So
0: I, I think it's really, um, well, I feel pretty lucky to have bumped into you at a point where you were just starting to sing because I feel like that's such a uh, We've experienced this with. The people who we've interviewed who play, but also the ones who sing, particularly the ones who sing that just that it's such a uh, profound human experience. And um, when to to go back to when we were thinking about what we're going to do in this episode, I was thinking about all the people who we've actually sat and had play and sing for us, and the singing. It's just it's uh, I don't know it's it's so elemental and it's so profound and humbling and you're opening yourself up and uh, so I think the
1: singing is it's a funny one. I'm gonna say something I, I I don't know if it's universally felt or is it just me? Anyway, no one thinks about the practicing. Of singing. And I, I say, no, one. I n- had never and still don't think about the practicing of singing. It's almost like singing is just something that you can do or you're good at. And I, I don't know if that's like you're looking at me quite um, deadpan, but I don't know if that's because I'm.
0: No, I'm just listening. Yeah.
1: So when I started, like I'm not saying I'm very good or all good, but I was bad when I started and I practiced and I got better right that for me I, I know it sounds so silly was like oh shit you can get better at this like what you've got is not oh and I and it's like of course when I pick up a banjo for the first time and strum it that's not how good I'm ever gonna be yeah <laughs> so why would you, you
0: I know but I know what you mean like it would be one of it's one of those things that you kind of I, I guess because you use your voice for speaking right so you think ah. Oh, that that's, whatever comes out honking through your nose that's all you got mm. you know? and, <laughs> and it's then. such
1: a uh, it's such a personal thing to to practice right so if I'm here my, my family's here I can sit down with the banjo and I can kind of put on a bit of a um, some blinders maybe it's a bit rude but I'm just practicing they can be a, in the vicinity and I'll just practice I'll even learn new tunes that's much of a wanker I am but when it comes to singing, you become or I become so self-conscious when you're practicing singing like that's right. like I need to like this studio I'd need to come down here and then I can lean into it, but it's not something that I, f- I feel oh, I feel free enough to do in front of anyone or my family. and well, I you- also think it's something you forget about I forget to practice because it's easy to learn tunes and then you'll have a campfire or you'll oh yeah, oh I know that tune I can sing. You wouldn't do that if you hadn't picked up the banjo in six months. You wouldn't just be like, Oh yeah, I can play. Maybe actually you know what? You would.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but I know what you're saying. I like I there's a couple of things that occurred to me there as you're saying that, which is about, about the fact that when you're singing you're you're making music with your with your whole body, right? You that's that's what you're doing. And um when you think about it that way and put it in those words, that's a full on thing to try and do right and there's a lot of energy there there's a lot there's a lot of (laughs) this is gonna sound a bit mad but a bit new agey but there's a you know think of the energy you have in your body and think of all those uh memories and connections that you're making as you're singing a song Mm. and it's all just coursing through you and coming out i mean of course you have to be able to figure out a way to not just splurge it all over the mic. I mean, now and again, maybe a splurge is fine, but you know what I mean? Yeah. It makes sense that, that you have to be able to contain it and hold it. And, you know, not that I can do any of those <laughs> things, but you know what I mean?
1: Meeting uh, Sean Matthews when I was in, in right, and then going to the, the Singers Club. I know Singers Club. And, that and that's in Carberry. Is that in Carberry's? That particular one is in yeah, Carberry's. Yeah, yeah. I think it's around a few other places, but Carberry's is, is where it's happening at the moment. And I know they're common. But I'm, I was so moved when I was watching that and I've I still haven't tried unaccompanied singing. In another part of my mind that's segmented away which I don't really acknowledge is I've I've always had this I, I reckon to be a stand up comedian or to try doing stand up would be my Everest. And I'd love to give it a crack. I've been saying this for twenty years. I've got nowhere near it or even started to even think about it. But it's that Everest. And I remember when I was watching on the second time I went down watching again, thinking this could be my Ned Kilimanjaro <laughs> maybe unaccompanied singing could be a a step for me. Not to do it, but I there's a some I, I do have a an urge in me to just knuckle down, learn some tunes, learn some songs and and do some unaccompanied song,
0: song yeah well you, should we hear a bit of Sean Matthews do you want to hear one of his, one of his songs should we play one
1: yeah uh, um, his the first one that yeah um, Dooley Gate yeah. Uh, but he mentioned that when we you know what it's like you're sitting there and you're speaking with someone in an interview and they, they they give you information but because your mind is so distracted with all the other things that you need to be doing it was only gone back to listen to this that how much it resonated that's He's singing about my 500 meters like all those things he's singing about is from the land that I grew up on that my granddad spent time on right it's incredible it's just incredible that that those guys are archiving these songs in the tradition in the the medium is the tradition and it is the story it's incredible it really is let, let, let's hear it.
3: Come lads and lassies, pay attention And to you I will relate Concerning all athletic men Who came from Dooley Gate Owen Riley and John McLaughlin Were two men of courage bold And they challenged one another to a race upon the road. T'was a Tuesday night at eight o'clock, this great event took place. And thousands came from miles around to see this marathon chase. You may talk about Jim Fagan or O'Brien from Donabate. But none of them could hold a candle to the boys from Dooley Gate. Now the journey for this great event, it was a mile or more. From Samson's Lane to the Coolab Bridge and down by Moore's Door. Says Riley to MacLachlan, now for beer my throat does thirst says chas smith i'll give a gallon to the man who comes home first when the orders came from the starting line each man he stacked his clothes dolly david was the starter and sam cooper was the judge with signals up then naturally each man he gave a sport but Riley found himself behind, the wind caught in his shirt. And around by Keelaghan's corner, as the kids did roar with lee. And they got a great reception as they went round Riley's tree. But was on the homeward journey that the sport it soon began. For the kids they roared at Roily go and catch em if you can. But Roily he was punctured then and almost choked with dust. All along the route you could hear them say that Thatcher's coming first. For McLaughlin had the staying power you could see throughout the race. And royally done his utmost, but he couldn't stand the pace. And with a burst of speed in his hour of need, away with the wind, McLachlan went. And he ran right up to burst the tape and win this great event. You may talk about Jim Fagin or O'Brien from Donabate. But none of them could hold a candle to the boys from Dooley Gate.
1: So I think I'm really happy. Actually, we end up on Sean before we finish. We we spoke about my voice and me finding my voice. Like Sean is the real deal. I. I'm going to swear again, but I fucking love what he's doing. He is, and I'm sure there's other people doing it, but Sean's the one in my radar. He is the one speaking in a Drahada voice, telling Drahada stories. He is not trying to be anything else. He's proudly Drahada. And I I haven't seen that done before in in my memory. I can't think of anyone that has put in front of them that I'm from Drahada. Mm-hmm. This is my voice. I'm telling Drahada stories. He's, con- he's constantly putting up stuff that's it from around the town. He, I don't know. I, I feel like he, he, I feel in my mind, hopefully he gets the traction because I think he is and he should be doing what kind of like Blind Boy is doing for Limerick. He is, I just, he's the voice and he, sh- he should get more recognition. I'm th- not recognition, that's not the word, but it hits me on a very real place. i mm. just, I hope he keeps going. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does down the road. And I think he is... He's, honestly, I reckon he's got the... He's got the personality and the talent to to lift the whole area. Not that it needs a, uh, lifting, but he's just... He's so... He's young and he... Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Great. Um, Just that voice, man. Like, that's... I, I can't... I could never sound like that. You know what I mean? Like, that's... That is exactly how Sean is. Like, I can when i listen to that i feel like i'm having a chat with him again right and that's a fear that now if i was to set off to do on a quest to say all right this time six months i'm gonna stand up and do my first unaccompanied singing i couldn't couldn't do it because i don't have
0: a voice i but in six months you will have if you're thinking that you're going to do it you will, and it's not like it comes out on day one necessarily. No, right? but is
1: it authenticity that comes from something that's natural? I'm in my own head before I even get going because I don't have
0: an authentic voice, but that—that's the enemy of any artistic pursuit, is it? As I, I, I that inner voice that that shuts you down before you even get started. I mean. Come on, Darren. You're talking to me here. You know how many many ideas I have that 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 uh, have died on the floor of my office. So yeah. I mean, like, I just, um, I mean, that's a constant battle for me, right? But the the point about authenticity is really that uh, it's not necessarily that it's your first unpracticed utterance. It's you know you have to sort of learn how to. That's fair. Yeah, you, you have to learn how to speak. And that, that is actually. That's
1: why I've gone back to when I was asking you some questions about when you were learning to sing is how much you had to do. And, and not if you didn't need to do much work on it, then you're just probably lucky, but that's why I was asking. I think I just, I wanted someone, I want someone to turn around and say, yeah, it's pretty hard to sound like yourself.
0: You know, there, there were, there, there's two or three singers who I used to play with um, in Scotland. There's a guy, Frank, who I mentioned earlier, who's a fabulous guitar player and a great songwriter and singer. He has just this beautiful, deep, dark Scottish voice that sounds like, it sounds like the voice that would come from a, I mean this sounds like a terrible Scottish cliche and I apologise but this is what the image in my head, it sounds like it comes from a whiskey cask, Uh, (laughs) like the dark, dark whiskey cask, it's just this gorgeous voice. But, but he's he's practiced he's worked at it he's you know I think it, I, I mean I'm sure you know Kate Burke or any of the people who have sung and sing for a living who have been lucky enough to talk to would talk a, about how you have to work at it to be able to use it to express the things you want to express the way you want to express them yeah I guess actually I'm, I'm thinking about I mean I'm a, I'm a I'm a hacker right that's I'm not you know that's I, I've done no work on it I just the, the one the one thing that I have when I sing that, that is real is just that it connects right fucking hundred miles an hour to my heart mm. it's just like
1: um. thinking about Sean when, <laughs> and when we were having a chat it's actually interesting and it's something I should try and remind myself more of Sean's interview in particular was very there was a lot of themes that were very similar to that those few things I've mentioned about identity, not feeling like you're a part of the music. Maybe it's just being from Drahda and not having a... It's part of the pale or whatever. It's not as cool as Dublin, which kind of has that kind of working-class hero music. The Dubliners, there's there's that happening there when we kind of maybe missed it. And Sean, as he said in, in his interview himself, like he he worked at this. He wasn't singing this this kind of music. He He started to study it. So... I suppose apologies to Sean if you do hear this. Very I far. presume, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it takes yeah, work, yeah. and I shouldn't presume for a moment that it doesn't take a
0: shit ton of work to get to having your own voice. But neither should you assume that, that that's beyond you. It's not. It's absolutely not. You have a body. You you have a body. You have words in your head. You have a heart. You you know. It's if it's I can a, learn the a part of the jig on fiddle, I can do anything. You can. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: right. So. So there you go, and um, I didn't really, we didn't really know how we were going to, where we were going to end up with tonight's conversation. Out of everything. Yeah. uh, We got Dom to
1: sing, and (laughs) for me, I'm (laughs) I'm delighted. Maybe we will do a a taxidermy on the previous episodes. Taxidermy is not the word. An autopsy. That's not the word. We we'll look back, retrospective. retrospective. <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly, you're doing well with words tonight. Uh, but I don't know. Tonight felt
0: like it was. I learned a lot, and I'm happy. Uh, I'm oh, happy well, to the guitar. Thank you. Uh, no, I'd thank um, thank you. I I I think in in all of this, and this is a bit where I definitely will probably start crying. <laughs> um, in all of this, uh, the the moment that that we're all in. Just the importance of the heart of that is in all the music that we've heard and all the conversations we've had. All of that just gives me this immense feeling of gratitude and um, we're looking forward to keeping going. Yeah, Thank um, you to the patrons because
1: we, well, we couldn't continue doing what we're doing without yeah. the patronage. So, look, we thank you every week. We really do mean it. And there's a reason we thank you every week. We mean it. So thank you so much for your contribution.
0: So the music as Darren would say is coming up behind us so no
1: it's not because Dom's going to play one more tune look after you Dom's oh, going to play one more oh, tune right. Dom's going to play one <laughs> I more don't tune. have another tune you do uh, you know the
0: one I want you to play what you know the, the numbers on oh alright alright right. okay, right, yeah sure okay oh, oh, oh. <clears> thanks man um, and then so so this one being another memory song kind of for me was uh um, I had, my friend Tamsin is from Cornwall. She used to live in Dublin in Drumcondra and I used to go over for sort of boozy weekends, and um, we'd wander about Dublin. And she took me to, she took me to this pub uh, <laughs> down in the docks somewhere one one night because uh, we were going to meet this fella um, that she knew, and it was about seven o'clock in the evening, and this pub was, it was like a flat roof building, and it was an Alsatian on the roof, chained up, kind of barking down over the door to anybody who was coming in. It was like this kind of, I don't know, it was like the hound that guards the thing in the Coo-Holland story. <laughs> anyway, um, all the all the, the chairs in this, they, they had these kind of high wooden chairs that sort of were along the bar and all the backs were broken off them <laughs> and they had these kind of shards of timber sticking up to it. it was just this kind of absolutely yeah. like, oh, <laughs> anyway right I, you I know, think right about here. those I think about those um, I think about that place and the dog on the roof every time I sing this song I don't know it's just I have so little reference um, I don't I know this reference song. material to Dublin so you know, <laughs> <that's>... <laughs> I know this song
1: and I just can't put those two images together <laughs>
0: Walking through Dublin City About the hour of twelve at night It was there I spied a fair pretty female Washing her feet by candlelight First she washed them then she dried them Over a fire of angry coals And in all my life I never did meet the mid so neat about 16, 14 12, and 8, 6, 4, 2, She had 19, 17, 15, 13, 11, 9, 7, 5, 3 and 1 I stopped to look but the watchman passed Says he young fella now the night is late And away with you home now Or I'll wrestle you straight away to the bright well Hot as a fire of angry coals. And all my life I never did meet a maid so neat about the souls. She had twenty, eighteen, sixteen, fourteen, twelve, and it's She had nineteen, seventeen, fifteen, thirteen, eleven, nine, seven, five, three, and Just as the dawn of day was o'er I who should aspire but the Spanish lady when I was weary and foot sore Ah oh, she had a heart so filled. Six, four, two, nine. She had nineteen, seventeen, fifteen, thirteen, eleven, nine, seven, five, three, and one. Well, I've wandered north and I've wandered south. By Stony Batter and Patrick's Close, and up and around by the Gloucester Diamond, back by Napper Tandy's house. But all ages hand A fire of ash she calls And gone is a lovely Spanish lady Neat and sweet about the souls and Around and around goes a wheel of fortune Where it rests now we reads me Our pretty girls are so and sad. Six, four, two.
1: So that is the end of it. Uh, look after yourselves, everyone. Um, remember, social distancing does apply to you. It's, <laughs> it's not just for other people. Uh, I should note, myself and Dom are sitting, I reckon, almost two metres apart for tonight, yeah. which is a bit weird. No one and no run. hugs. No hugs. Uh, if Dom had have cried in that last bit, he would have been on his own. <laughs> like he always is. <laughs> and anything else? Yeah, watch yeah. this space. If you do... Have any um brainwaves for us on what we should do in the next few weeks? Um uh, let us know. We're open to ideas, we're looking forward to talking to more people, getting more stories. But um yeah, luck if you've been it this far through this interview. Thanks for sticking around and yeah. we'll catch you next week. Watch yourselves. Good luck. All the best. Hi, my name is Woda.
2: I'm gonna eat um an apple. Get, give Dominic and Darwin five stars. Thank you.